Hello everyone. It gives me immense pleasure to welcome you to today's podcast. This exclusive series is brought to you by People Matters in partnership with Bright Circle. I am Bhavna Sireen, your host for this conversation. In today's episode, we have with us Sudhir Shivastava, DE&I manager, PPJ at ServiceNow, and Srini Ramaswamy, co-founder, Bright Circle and Bright Circle Foundation. Hi Sudhir, hi Srini. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi Bhavna, thanks for having us. Thanks Bhavna for having me. I'm really excited to have both of you joining us today. In this six-part exclusive series, we will talk about the multifaceted journey of LGBTQ+ inclusion at the workplace. Our key focus for today's conversation is mobilizing allyship to accelerate inclusion of LGBTQ+ talent at the workplace. We have a very interesting conversation ahead of us, so without any further ado, let's begin. My first question is Looking back at the last decade, how do you see the evolution of LGBTQ plus talent at the workplace? Shini, would you want to take that up first? Absolutely, Vana. That's a fantastic question, um, and and I must share that you know uh, I've been part of uh, this efforts and journey over ten years now, and I've seen uh, some of the the change in the landscape in the corporate India uh, from twenty ten. right so uh, i mean today when i look back i see immense amount of effort that individuals and organizations have put in so i can confidently say that there has been a considerable progress in lgbt plus inclusion in india especially after the ruling down of section 377 in 2018 i think the historic judgment has not just given a much needed boost to the lgbt inclusion efforts um encouraging organizations to be more visible and vocal but also to the members of the lgbt plus community and allies you know before 2018 the argument for lgbt plus inclusion was very much like to facilitate facilitate a conversation behind the closed doors as a feel good activity but now you know post 2018 now you see organizations are recognizing how imperative it is for them to also come out Uh, and work towards fostering a culture of inclusion and belonging for the lgbt plus community many organizations now have actively focused on driving awareness through employee resource groups bringing about changes in physical infrastructure policies and benefits uh, conducting trainings to debunk some of the biases myths and stereotypes and of course you know affirmatively hire from the lgbt plus talent pool you know over the last 5 years i must share this that pride circle has been actively involved in contributing to this holistic change in in some way or the other you know from talking about assessment to the india workplace equality index to awareness to the sensitization programs and events and conferences that we hold to action where we talk about you know affirmatively hiring to the rise job fair you know especially when i talk about the india workplace equality index which allows organization to assess um is the country's only comprehensive benchmark tool today that enables organizations to systematically measure their current state and progress on lgbt plus inclusion and and an interesting data i want to share with all of you and the listeners are between 2020 and 2021 over 100 organizations participated in the study and the insights was was you know amount immense amount of information that got shared the best practices allowed all these organizations to 
successfully chart out their annual roadmap. And finally, towards, you know, when we, when I spoke about the affirmative action through Rai Job Fair, we've been doing this for last four years and it's an annual uh, flagship event. And over the last four years, over 100 organizations have participated and ha have hired more than 400 experienced LGBT plus candidates for the tech and non-tech roles. I think that goes to show that, you know, between you know, pre-2018 and post-2018, you know, you've seen a considerable amount of progress from the organizations. I think, um, of course, uh, kudos to all of the great work that Srini uh, spoke about. But I think from my perspective, the biggest difference that I've seen is not only is there more communication and vocal allyship, there's also the sense of maturity in businesses, organizations, and leadership teams today. They see the value that the LGBTQI plus talent pool brings to the table, and they really understand why efforts need to be made to level the playing field. This has helped establish a really solid foundation on top of which, as an organization, uh, you know, somebody can continue to build inclusion efforts. Thank you so much for sharing that, Surbi and Shirini. And I think rightly, like you said, you know, the entire piece around communication that's absolutely crucial when it comes to trying to drive such change. And it's it's not just an infrastructure change, it's not just a policy change, but essentially when it comes to queer inclusion at the workplace, it is a mindset change altogether. Once that happens, that's when, you know, the rest of the pieces fall in place. So speaking of communication, uh, Surbi, you mentioned about, you know, your thoughts on, you know, how the evolution really has been. And you've done a lot of work in the same space, you know, at ServiceNow. So having led wide scale success when it comes to driving DEI programs, in your opinion, how critical is the element of allyship when it comes to, you know, enabling sustainable and scalable DNI efforts? And while we do this, what are some pitfalls that, you know, organizations should be wary of as they venture into the space, trying to mobilize allyship? Right. Um, in my opinion, allyship is a everyday, everyone thing. Um, your DEI team, your leadership team, or your HR team for that matter, they're going to conceptualize and ideate and analyze what the organization should be doing to foster inclusion at the workplace. But they can't be the only ones who go out on the shop floor and really make those behavioral changes among the employee base. Allyship is going to do that for you. Allyship will present itself in various scenarios, right? Like interrupting bias when a promotion discussion is happening, um, enabling employees to recognize and call out microaggressions at the workplace, and really building a sense of inclusion within a team setting. Allyship is that key that's going to foster psychological safety and inclusion so that it becomes embedded into the culture of the organization. And only when that happens can we start moving beyond the obvious. Only when that happens, we can start, whether it's as DEI practitioners or as organizations in the business environment, we can start to think about complex inclusion issues like intersectionality. So that's how we're going to scale uh, successfully if we are looking to foster inclusion in behavior. Uh, now, some of the pitfalls that I think um, while embarking on this journey for allyship, one is beware of a lack of information. If as an employee, I do not know what I'm signing up for, I cannot do a good job of speaking about it. So it's very important for employees to be fully educated about, A, the cause that we are asking them to be allies for, 
Um, B, how do we intend to make an impact? C, how is it going to be measured? And what do we commit to doing through maybe the course of a quarter of a year? The other thing is diversity fatigue. Now, I know there's a lot of conversation happening on the topic of diversity fatigue as well. But if, as an employee, I do not see allyship in action, irrespective of hierarchy, position in the organization or the team, I will start to dissociate with it. Right? In the end, for our employees, it'll start appearing as white noise if we're just conducting interventions, if we're just uh, doing things to upskill them, but they don't see it happening in the workplace and they don't feel the impact of it themselves, whether they are part of that underrepresented minority or not. So communicating the impact, the uh, purpose and the intent of doing something through action is really, really critical because that way we're then reporting progress back to employees and then we force them to sit up and take notice and say, okay, this is the effort my organization is doing. How can I partner and how can I be an active partner? That's great, Sulbi. And I think that is an interesting thought over there when you, you know, speak about diversity fatigue because there have been so many conversations, but that disconnect, like you mentioned, right? One thing is upskilling and understanding these, uh, the various aspects within the diversity spectrum, but actually seeing on the ground, is that really happening? Are we really just talking about diversity? Are we seeing that happen on ground and learning inclusion and aspects like allyship and living that practically on an everyday basis? So when we speak particularly about diversity fatigue, and you spoke earlier about ideating the strategy around uh, allyship. So is, how can one really create a value proposition around allyship for their employees? And can it be done in a more fun and interactive way to create that culture and ecosystem of allyship? And are there any efforts these days, you know, made around gamifying allyship? Srini, would you want to take that up first? Yeah, absolutely. I, I must first share that, you know, uh, Subhi was spot on in terms of, you know, the intent, the approach, and also keeping in mind a good balance between um, doing the right thing. Um, and, and, and that is where I think the value proposition, um, defining what allyship is, because a lot of us know that, okay, there is a term allyship, but what it means, you know, really translating it to the in layman's term, as to what the word means becomes the responsibility for everyone. Because I've often seen that or experienced even when, when I used to work that I could have my coworker who is perhaps a closeted queer person. I could have my client who is a, who is a queer person. I could have my customer who is a queer person. I could have my manager. So I could have a lot of people around me who perhaps are closeted or openly out or, you know, partially out. Um, I think that is where we have to understand that, you know, in order for me as an ally to extend that support, I first need to understand that what and how I can start or embark on that journey. You know, the, the, the business case and the data points and et cetera comes much later. But then if if my organization, my managers, my HR and DNI team is able to articulate that, you know, uh, just because uh, we are asking an employee or staff to be an ally doesn't mean that, you know, uh, uh, that you have to uh, visibly or vocally participate every time. You could choose your role accordingly. Um, so that is where, uh, you know, the value proposition defining um, that comes into play. There are very formal ways of doing it and informal ways of doing it. 
you know, the COVID really exposed us to the fact that the efforts on pride, LGBT inclusion cannot stop. What we used to do pre-pride, uh, pre-COVID world was that we could organize these conversations in person. You know, we could host these conversations in person. And COVID, you know, sort of exposed us to the fact that we were expected to work 247. So when I have that kind of a schedule, how do I continue to show up as an ally? So that again becomes an opportunity for us to define as to how do I show up? What are the ways in which I can show up and you know continue to show up as an ally? In the virtual world, right? We are coming back to the hybrid world, but in the virtual world, how do we support? And, and there are some data points that I want to share, you know, which, which we've been able to gather over a period of time, which is very relevant to India as well as global, are the five points, right? One, the future of work. Now, today, when we look at nearly two-third of our world's population is going to be Gen Y, Gen Z, right? And 80% and of them demand that, you know, they want to work in an organization which is inclusive, safe, welcoming. The second point is the productivity. Being visibly out at work leads that, you know, encourages the LGBT employees to feel much safer, more empowered, more creative by at least 2x. The third one is the demand and supply, the talent pool. And I've often heard this that, and I've also have this lot of research that says that 7x number of people are more likely to decline a job offer because if they find that the company's culture is not inclusive. And 13 times, you know, 13x of the employees would likely to quit because the company culture is not inclusive, right? The fourth point is around the competitive advantage that we often talk about. And we know that, you know, the global estimate of LGBT consumers purchasing power or spending power rather is about $5 trillion a year. And 71% of them would want to spend that in a company which supports LGBT inclusion. And of course, this also includes the allies. And finally, the fifth point is the risk and reputation of the company. Because there was a study which was done by uh, Dr. Lee Badgett along with World Bank in 2016 of economic laws of India due to homophobia. And, you know, the study says that India loses up to $32 billion, which is almost about 1.7% of GDP, right? So when you look at this, it all translates to the fact that as an individual, as an ally, what can I do to impact these five points? And that is where, you know, we believe that not just the formal structured approach of programs can impact but you have to make that fun you have to make it virtual as well you know given that now we are in the covid world and that's when we sort of um, spend time in creating those opportunities for individuals to understand what it means to be an ally what are the terms vocabularies the do's and don'ts you know talking about intersectionality and etc through a fun way of you know gamifying allyship which we call global ally challenge which we did in uh, 2020 and then 2021, which encourages individuals across the globe, um, whether you're working in a company or you're from education institution, whether you, you're in part of an NGO, parents collective, government institutions, you know, are encouraged to participate in set of online micro challenges. So you can sit at home, participate, you don't have to venture out. And these are micro challenges, takes about five minutes, which allows you to reflect journal, compete, get sensitized and rewarded for mindset change. 
you know these are non cash rewards that we give and um, over the last two editions you know just sort of to give you a number especially this was done during covid time we had over 27000 individuals across the globe participate in this global ally challenge in the last two years and they took the pledge to be more visible and vocal ally and and especially at the time when everyone was locked out physically distanced due to covid we were able to bring together individuals across the globe on virtual platform and still create uh, a solution which was pretty much from india to the world like i always say that you know pride will not stop beat a covid or something else we have to continue the journey and that's what the allyship is i think primarily there is a lot of uncertainty and to a great extent fear among employees in general or individuals in general uh, they don't want to end up doing or saying the wrong thing which is totally understandable and so a lot of people shy away from vocal allyship but as shrini mentioned if the more creative we get with the way we are asking for allyship like the ally challenge uh, which we also partner at service now with pride circle on and ran it across the region we consciously shifted the narrative it was less competitive and more collaborative the way we positioned it is it's a learning journey it's not a goal post where everybody is rushing to reach rather it's a collaborative journey that the entire organization is on so there's very less judgment and more empathy among everybody saying hey we're all learning there's no harm in learning about something new so let's start there that's how we started that conversation and of course it was a perfect fit in the hybrid world because irrespective of which country you're sitting in what time zone you are this is that one thing that binds you together saying yes we are all collectively learning something that's absolutely um true i think so when you say you know it's a learning journey and shini thank you so much for sharing those data points i think that really brings a lens on any it's it's not just an employee it's not just talent that you're looking at that is square talent you have your customers you can have your manager it's anyone and everyone and it's about how we enable people to be authentically themselves that's what's going to help them feel that much more you know psychologically safe at the workplace feel that much more uh, productive at the workplace be able to create that kind of experience around themselves and at the same time leveraging technology or leveraging gamification to actually make it more scalable which is the need of the hour you know as we go on and expanding our talent pools go on looking uh, beyond our you know uh erstwhile geographical boundaries so that's really important thank you so much for sharing that um when we speak of allyship and you know a sense of community one of the key things that organizations are heavily investing in these days is you know the entire concept of employee resource groups or ergs as they call it so what do you think uh surbi what is what according to use the role of an erg in building a culture of inclusion within geographies and regions and how can one build and enable erg collaboration and a wider allyship ecosystem within an organization how can we really mobilize that i think it's very important to understand we all as individuals have this innate sense of community we all want to be a part of something other than ourselves so we find these connections and these commonalities that give us comfort they give us familiarity if that is the only instinct that an individual is going to operate on eventually it will lead to bias but if you couple that with a learning or a growth mindset approach the possibilities for progress are limit, uh, limitless ergs or employee resource groups typically build on that sense of community among employees they are intended to help bind together several intersectional threads 
to generate that sense of belonging that employees need at the workplace along with helping them master some personal learning goals and skills having an active vocal representation from the ergs whether it may be for the lgbtqi population or women from a gender equity perspective or any pillar of deni the work about allyship and why it matters will always be furthered along because of the presence of these ergs it's also important to have very vocal and active ergs because it's going to help harness the what i like to call passion in pockets uh, where there are multiple employees in small pockets within particular organizations that are really passionate about this cause but for various reasons they may not necessarily have the time or the bandwidth to contribute in a very large scale leadership capacity as part of that erg so these the ones who have actually signed up they can make a difference by finding ways to harness some of this passion that's available among the rest of the employees that is what the ergs can tap into because they are closest to the people on the ground who really want to make a difference and who want to collaborate with them one other very important aspect of having an active erg is also to realize that they end up being a very very important consultative tool to your internal deni or your leadership team right all organizations are evolving maturing everybody at their own pace and the world around us constantly keeps changing there's nothing um, you know which was similar to what was two years back because the pandemic has really driven home the point that change is the only constant right so there's always going to be opportunity for different organizations to review course correct adopt newer ways of generating inclusion at the workplace and that's where your ergs can become very valuable thought partners because they become the voice of the community that you are designing your interventions for that intel is very very critical for an organization to make effective and informed changes and that's how employees also will end up joining the dots of this is what my organization committed to doing versus this is how my erg is involved versus this is the end result that i am able to see and feel through my employee experience so we speaking of passion in various pockets i think i would really want to keep this conversation going but uh, in the interest of time i have one last question for both shrini and you today um from the perspective of the larger society what does it really take for an individual to actively become an ally are there any platforms available for individuals to learn about lgbt allyship shrini would you want to take up this final question first absolutely i, I don't think I have, i have anything left so we covered everything <laughs> uh but i'll i'll give you a few points like as an ally myself you know um, one thing that has kept me going over the years is um tap into variety of resources the resources could be available online the resources could be my peers who are allies themselves peers could be connecting with the community um over a period of time because like so we mentioned that you know we are in the ever changing world now what worked yesterday may not work today right um the the the, the dynamics of the younger generation uh joining the mainstream workforce is also taking over which means that you know we are have to be even more um, effective and conscious as a as a team manager or people manager so a 
I need to educate myself. Plus, as a people manager, I need to educate my team. And I need to be a role model both at and off work. So it's not like a switch that I put it on when I enter the workplace and I turn it off when I step out. So it's a, it's a conscious effort that you need to put in. Uh, so there are tons of resources available online. Um, when I started uh, the journey um, um, back pre-2000, because you know one, one of my very close friends came out to me in early 90s. We were in school. And um, I have seen his struggle, you know, pre-internet world, the struggles were very harsh. Um, and that was a time it sort of opened up the whole conversation for me saying that, where do I find the information? Because I really want to help my, my childhood friend. But where do I go? I think that that is something, it starts at the core as to how do you want to learn or educate yourself, unlearn some of the myths and biases that we have, that we, that we hear um, in the lot of noise that we see on social media. So I would say that, you know, reading the primary resource, the secondary resource, connecting with people, connecting the change uh, makers and, you know, thought leaders from the industry, networking with people, and also, you know, watching some of the great shows that we have on OTT platforms these days, you know, some of the movies that really sort of unpacks uh, the whole conversation not watching it all alone. If you have uh, the younger generation at home, like, you know, your kids, nephews and nieces, you know, sit with them. They would be a fantastic resource for to educate you in terms of, you know, how do we go about, how do we... And I've also seen that, you know, this is something that I've also experienced. When you have elderly people at home, you know, your grandparents, believe me, I've had an amazing set of conversation with some of my good queer friends who have shared that, you know, when they have come out to their grandparents, it was such an easy thing to do because the grandparents could understand the whole world of fluidity and, and sexuality and orientation, right? So I think it all, all starts uh, with that. During this journey, I've always said that, you know, uh, for an ally, there is always an option to go back in the closet because coming out is also something that allies have to go through. You come out as an ally, you become more visible and vocal as an ally. But as an ally, we have a choice to go back into the closet. But for the members of the LGBT plus community, and I'm consciously, you know, change, you know, using the words LGBT plus, LGBT queer, and you know, which is widely used by everybody, um, they don't have an option. It's an everyday affair, every minute affair for them to come out. You know, whether at work, whether at home. So as an ally, it becomes extremely important that you know we are cognizant of the fact that what kind of environment we are creating, the usage of pronouns, the usage of inclusive language, the usage of, you know, really understanding from an empathy lens that how we can be more supportive. Um, somebody who comes out to you, what is your response to that? You know, how, how important it is for somebody to come out to you and how do you sort of extend that support? Um, because the person has seen you role model and be uh, feel safe uh, and the psychological safety and emotional safety that the person comes out to you. I think all of those, uh, it may sound as a huge task, but believe me, you know, once you, once you make up your mind and embark on that journey, it's a lifelong journey. You know, one step at a time, you know, you're not being asked to do something big, just being there, informing your, you know, colleagues that, you know, I'm here in case you need to talk is a big thing. It's a huge deal. Um, that we need to do you you know one um, you know 
piece of information that I always share with my friends who want to embark on the journey of allyship. People will always doubt. People will always ask questions saying that, hey, you're doing so much. Are you closeted yourself? Right? I get it all the time. But, but you, one has to ask um, uh, self that, do I get derailed by these questions? How much of this is going to impact my efforts? If I'm seen walking the pride march, will people sort of start doubting my you know, sexuality? No. Does it really bother me? Because a lot of times, you know, the men, cisgender, straight men, always get feared by the fact that, you know, what if I'm, I'm you know, people assume that I'm closeted gay man or a queer person. As long as you are confident, you are, you will know what you're doing. I think these questions become immaterial. If if I wear a purple shirt or a pink shirt, people would still comment. You know, if I if I wear uh, you know put on the rainbow flag on my shoulder or carry that to the lanyard, people will still ask the question, right? So it was the same journey. You know, the women uh, have had to go through, and even today go through in terms of you know the barriers that women face. But then as allies, you know, what we can do is debunk some of those barriers, break down some of those barriers, walk alongside our friends who are, you know, uh, from the community and be there whenever they need to lean on us. And, um, in, in, and it always is that, you know, we are there to extend that support. And I've always seen that the, the, the LGBT plus community is more welcoming to straight people. And I always say this because they are more welcoming and more open to allow the allies like me to come in and be part of that journey, part of that inclusion. If it is was not for the community, I don't think I would have come this far and do what I do today to you know make a difference. I think I love the point that Srini made about allies also coming out of the closet. It's such a powerful way of putting your voice out there. And I, I totally agree with Trini that, um, in my opinion, of course, social media, if used accurately, is a really, really powerful learning tool, right? There are multiple creators on and channels and sources on literally all of the social networking platforms where people are being so vocal about complex issues, about um, issues that are relevant to underrepresented minorities. And they encourage conversation and information sharing, and they invite perspectives with the intent of increasing awareness. So those are great platforms to not just educate ourselves, but also hear different perspectives, be exposed to the way people are thinking out there. Because it's a myth that you need to wait for something to happen to you to be an ally. You don't need to wait for like the mountains to fall on your head for you to realize that allyship is important and extending support to somebody is important. We all have a voice. We all take up space and we all have a sphere of influence, both professionally as well as personally. And it's about time that we start, uh, you know, taking a look and examining at our own privilege because we're all privileged in some way or the other. But we need to ensure that we use our voice to make noise and to bring attention to things that are not just impacting us, but that are a part of the society that will help us grow and mature as a collective force of individuals. I'm very tempted to add this, uh, Bhavna, to what Sulvi mentioned. Homosexuality is not a Western concept. 
it's a very much indian concept you know if we can pick up the books we can see you know some of the you know the the mythological books um some of the temples facades and etc we will find homosexuality very much part of indian culture which was celebrated back then and and it all got messed up when we had the british east india company come to india i think before that we were we would celebrate homosexuality so you know for all the listeners i want to say this that homosexuality is not a western concept it's a very much indian thing and it was very much celebrated there are a lot of um, good resources that are there in our mythological books uh, something that we must read there are a lot of youtube videos you youtube it you will find a lot of movies that talks about that a lot of you know um uh, you know one of the old movies uh, also sort of would give you a good sense about what homosexuality is and about our culture legal and all those framework but but it starts all with me um educating myself sensitizing myself when i am at the deep core get sensitized is when i can spread that positivity and the positive energy around me what a wonderful thought to close this conversation with shrini i could not agree more with both of you i think you know that entire element around education and uh, you know i completely echo so you know when you said that powerful statement that shrini had made around you know that allies indeed need to come out of closets and it's been an amazing conversation with both of you today from overcoming diversity fatigue with visibility on the ground ideating a more engaging and scalable strategy around allyship gamifying allyship enabling a sense of safety for queer talent to be out and authentically themselves at work leveraging ERGs to foster a sense of community, being conscious about educating ourselves and role modeling allyship, building a network of change makers, and creating a responsible and safe support system around ourselves as allies. There's certainly a lot to take back from our conversation today. Allyship is one of the strongest elements of the DNI puzzle, and organizations who recognize and act on it hold a competitive advantage as they work towards enhancing talent experience and fostering a sense of inclusion and belonging at the workplace and so we like it said it's really important to remember at the end of the day that allyship indeed is a journey thank you so much for your time surbi and shrini and for such a thought provoking discussion it has been an absolute privilege hosting both of you today thanks bhavna thanks, thanks for a great discussion shrini yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more thanks bhavna and thanks surbi for making this conversation so engaging thank you so much Thank you so much to both of you and thank you to all our listeners as well. Stay tuned for more in this exclusive podcast series by People Matters in partnership with Pride Circle. We will see you next month with yet another exciting conversation. Have a great week ahead and take care.